teeth removal, I'd be pissed if I went to some haunted house and they started removing my teeth. And you came right? out without your front tooth. And I like did sports to get it. <laughs> I came out with no teeth. I'd be so mad. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez, intuition coach. And I'm Melissa Gushka. <laughs> this is our final week of spooky season. Bean, are you ready? Super ready. Let's go. Just a quick warning for our listeners before we get into this week's episode. This episode does mention graphic details of harm and has themes that might be frightening to some of you. So listen with caution. Bean. Reen. Reen. It's Halloween week. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And we have the cutest little guest ever. The best guest ever is joining us. Let me tell you what's going on this week. So we've been building up to the final week of spooky season. And I don't even know what we're going to do with ourselves after this point. But we are deciding to end things with a bang and spend this episode telling the most scary (gasps) haunting stories (gasps) that we could find. And we thought, who better to come tell us a haunting story than our wonderful producer, Anais, who loves spooky season as much as we do. So Anais is joining us this episode to regale us with a tale of a haunting. Anais, welcome to Signal. Yay. I'm already terrified because I do not think my story is that scary. You're terrified. (laughs) Oh, no. Because it's spooky season. That's why you're terrified. Oh, right. I built it up too much. Kana, you know how this works. Oh, I call her Kana. So if I say that, that's what that is. You know how this works because you're always behind the scenes producing this podcast. Thank you for that. Now you're here and you have to tell us a cringe or delight. And since you're a guest, you get to go first. So how was your week? Anything cringy, anything delightful? Go. I'd I'd also like for you to share for our listeners what costume you're wearing. Oh, right. I am dressed as Lydia from Beetlejuice today during her wedding phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost cut my bangs, but I just honestly, I you should have committed it. to the role a little more, like I did every savage. Week. Maybe I will for Halloween, the actual uh, Halloween ooh, day. That's we'll a good one. <laughs> okay, my cringe or delight. I think my cringe was how hard it was to be in your role for this week. Ooh, um, I feel like spooky. I show up every week and I'm like, wow, their lives are so easy. They just have the fun part, and <laughs> I was. We've been talking about this for like a month now. And of course, I waited until this week to really solidify my ideas. And it's harder than you would imagine to find stories and get facts and make sure they're straight and not lie on the podcast. So, wow. And be engaging on top of that. So good luck being engaging. Wait, I have to be engaging? (laughs) Yep. Thankfully, it comes naturally. Good luck. Thanks for saying that, Anais, because that feels very validating to hear. We feel seen. We feel appreciated. I'm so glad you got to walk a mile in our Halloween shoes. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) I want to say I'd like to share that Bean is dressed up also, but she's just wearing- Thank you. Yeah, but she's just wearing a headscarf to be a fortune teller. And honestly, she just looks beautiful like her old self and like she's wearing a beautiful headscarf. This is unfair. And I knew this was going to happen. All month, you have been dogging me for not dressing up. And I decided I was going to save my costume- 
for the last episode. And I really focused on this. I gave this attention. I really thought about it. I have so many different big jewels on. I have earrings. Yeah, yeah. I have dramatic eye makeup on. Mm -hmm. And I knew it. I showed up and you both were a-holes about it. Well, you know what? I wanted like King Kong or like a mummy. Like I wanted full coverage. I wanted like something exciting to really wow me. You would need a new best friend. I guess so. Who likes to dress up, I guess. No, just like likes to dress up like King Kong. Like she would never. You're right. You're right. You're right. I should have known. Accept me as I am and let's name me. I was trying to think of a name for myself today. Madame Crusoe. Crusoe. Madame Toussaint. Toussaint. <laughs> Do you have a wax museum? So original. Madame Duval. Oh, very good. I like that. Okay. Madame Duval is my costume. And my cringe moment for this week is, again, I scared myself in researching this week's episode. <laughs> and again, TJ is out of town. And again, I couldn't sleep. And this time, my son... <laughs> came and hung out with me and we watched a movie and we both just fell asleep in my bed so that I could feel better. So that is embarrassing and cringy. You guys are so quiet over there. I was intrigued. I'm staring at your headscarf. Also, I'll I'll top this off with my delight. I found it is my middle one's birthday this week and I just Happy find birthday. joy, somewhat sadness in all of my kids' birthdays, but mostly joy in their joy and the excitement that still exists in children leading up to their birthday and they're giddy for days and she woke up early to go see her presents and what her decorations. What in children? Maury and I still get Anais this. Anais and I oh, are right. still like I that. Forgot. I forgot. Anais and I are still like that. I lost that giddiness a long time ago. But there is true, there's, it's, there's almost like, it's just pure excitement. I feel like at our age, there's more expectation sure. and, yeah. and you're almost always disappointed. But with children, they're just so innocently beautifully excited and they like their joy is palpable and it it's their expectations are never they're never let down they're like she just was so excited all morning and then we surprised her at school and read to her class and they were adorable and just all adorable oh happy birthday lele i hope she has a great birthday weekend you guys are going to dc right we are we're going to celebrate in style i love it i wish i was there seems big time We are going big time. We are going tonight. The boys are coming into town. TJ's the boys boys. are back in town. Yep. They're coming into town. (laughs) TJ's two boys live in the Bay Area. They're coming into town and we are going to Universal Studios Fright Fest tonight. Oh my God. You're going to get scared. I'm going to get so scared. There's a Stranger Things experience (gasps) that I cannot wait to try. So I will come back and tell you guys next week if I survived it. But I'm like a little, I'm nervous and excited. I feel like a kid myself. I think you're going to be a lot more scared than you think. They like just I, run I up at you and like say, ah, like in your face. <laughs> no. Yes, I they do. do I'm sorry. They say, ah. But I won't touch do it. you. What are you going to do? Wear a you? sign? Don't talk to me? Yes. I will hide behind TJ. I don't know what to tell you. Are you going in costume? And by costume, I mean, are you wearing a headscarf? <laughs> And big earrings oh, and red lips. You could be a pirate. Agreed. Agreed. No, a I'm a fortune pirate. teller. Yeah, a sexy God, pirate. You guys, Ooh, sexy, sexy. I'm a sexy pirate. Yeah. You want to know what's crazy is that in an in an hour, I have an actual client session that's very serious, and I have 
fortune teller makeup on my face. The good news is you look serious. I do. Thank you. I look like I could tell your fortune, right? I'm an intuition coach. Is this not the most appropriate costume I yeah, could come up with? It is. My goodness. Good. Haters gonna hate. All right. Listen, let's do this before we get into regaling each other with real life haunted hauntings. I thought maybe we could just ask each other if we have any personal ghost stories that we can share with each other and the audience. Anyone have anything? I'm not going to lie. The whole reason that you two are spearheading this operation today and I'm just sort of here for to watch is because I haven't ever encountered anything like that. And I'm very much looking forward to your experiences. Nothing? All right. No, no, You've never gotten like goosebumps on your back? Yeah, goosebumps, but probably from being cold or the wind mm, or the, right. someone tickling. You rationalize everything. Someone tickling? Yeah, it's hard. It's shitty to be rational. Do you get goosebumps from getting tickled? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Listen, you're on Ace. You're dealing with the most cynical human being on the planet. So <laughs> it's not that shocking that she doesn't no. have a ghost story. I'm not cynical anymore since I had kids. Now I'm positive Patty. Write that down. Positive Patty. Positively cynical. Anyway, this wasn't even trying to be cynical. I was just saying I was really excited for your stories, and you guys are being such jerks. You know what? This is a threesome, and it's three, two against one. What? It's two against one, and I don't feel very safe in here anymore. Yeah. Now you know how I feel with my costume and the way you're both bullying me. Anais, (laughs) on to you. Am I a bully? Is that what you guys have just defined? Is like I just put people against each other? If I had to do a Venn diagram right now, you would be the th- that little section in the center that bullied both or, of us. Or, hear me out, am I okay. the most likable here so everyone mm-hmm. just likes me and I'm on True. all the right sides? True. And we never bullied you. Maybe you and I should band together against her. Go Who, for me it. and you? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, like, I can't be alone me. again. Anyway, no. let's get folk Guys, shut okay. up. Let's get let's, focused. Why don't we get our act together here? And stop fighting. Okay, well, so fine, Melissa. You have nothing on Ace. I know you have some good ones. <gasps> I have like four hundred. You do. Okay. Tell us the pick best one, one, please. For the second pick one. We, one. This is not a five-hour podcast. I just have to like state that like my whole life is basically one big ghost story. <gasps> so, bum, bum, bum. start with that. <laughs> wow, I would like better music for my life story, please. Okay, wait, let's try that again, and <laughs> our magical editors will do it. Do it, Say your line again. My whole life has been one big ghost story. Wow, that was good. Good they, sound effect. They got job, it. editors. They always nail it. Nail it. They always nail it. Um, but I was thinking about one in particular that is not too spooky, not too personal, and just right for this show. Ooh. And I probably like seven or eight years ago, went on a road trip with my best friend, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. She listens every week. Hey, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. We love Biggest you, Dawn. Fan. We love you, Dawn. And we went down to Asheville, North Carolina. We picked up our sister and our editor of the show down to Asheville <laughs> and then had some spooky experiences there. Literally could not stay Ooh. in the Airbnb that we were in. <gasps> None of us slept. Except for our editor, randomly, he slept the entire time peacefully. Like, nothing (laughs) happened. But moving on the rest of our road trip, we headed down to Georgia. And Dawn grew up in Georgia and was showing me. Mm, That is spooky. Exactly. Just Georgia in itself, spooky. Mm, Old. Lots happened. Yeah. The fortune teller knows. I know. (laughs) Exactly. She's like, I remember The vibes were the vibes. 
Anyways, so we get to her grandparents' house. They lived on a farm and she pretty much grew up there. And as she was taking me down this like really long dirt road, eventually it turns to the point of gravel. And once it hit gravel, I just could not breathe. Like I was like gasping for air. She was freaking out. I was freaking out. And <laughs> Maury's spraying her aura spray right now. Wait, is that because it prevents like bad juju yes, from coming it's in? It's called sacred space spray and it's supposed to protect your space from bad energy. And Anais is, oh, Anais is bringing it right now. She's telling a story. Okay, but I got she's scared. telling us a story. It's fine. We're, we're at the gravel point. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So like once the road shifts, I start like just feeling like I can't breathe at all. I'm gasping for air. Dawn's freaking out. I'm freaking out. She's still driving forward. I was like, is there water here? Is there like some sort of body of water by us? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Why? Exactly. Because you feel like what? Like you're drowning? What do you mean when you say you feel like you can't breathe? I felt like somebody was pulling my necklace from the back and like choking (gasps) me out. But immediately, that was a sensation in my body, but immediately the, like, experience I was having was a girl drowning. I'd be, like, hightailing it out of there. Yeah, I was like, turn around, turn around. So she just literally reversed because, yeah, we all freaked out. And as she reversed, um, the minute we got back to the dirt part of the road, it stopped. And I could breathe again. I was like trying to catch my breath at that point. And she was like, what just happened? And I was like, I don't know, Dawn, there has to be water around here. Like, do you see anything? We couldn't see anything. She was like freaked out. I was freaked out. I was like, we have to go ask your mom who grew up on the farm as well. Like what happened there? We get back to her parents' house. Her mom was sitting in the kitchen just waiting for us. And I was like, is there a body of water there? And she was like, oh, yeah, there was this like well slash little lake thing right by it. And I was like, did somebody die there? And she was like, oh, yeah, I think so. I think there was a little girl that drowned there. She said little girl? Yes. Wait, wait, I have so many questions. Why the gravel? I have no idea. I think it was the point where the body of water was, but I'm not really sure. Like it was covered over by gravel, by like land and gravel and it was like 20 feet down into the grass area can you explain for us harder to believers cynics that's what i said whatever what i'm but i'm not the most cynical person and i'd like you to take that i apologize you're a slightly cynical person yeah slightly good but even not as much anymore i try to be much more positive than i once was just ask the question for all the cynics out there sorry i'm sorry why do you think you felt that like, was she coming to you? Was it just a vibe in the air? Is it that you're more perceptive? What, all of what, the above. All of the I above. I think, like, I, my whole life is a ghost story. So I am more um, apt to, like, picking up things in general, energy-wise. Um, right. And I don't know. Because I didn't stay there and was like, hey, what do you want to tell me? Like, what are we trying to talk about here? I was just like, let's get out of here because I was terrified. Like, Dawn was terrified. We were both freaking out. Like, I don't know if she just wanted us to know she existed and was there or she didn't like brown people. Like, I'm not sure. Well, listen, lots of mediums, which I put you in that category. I don't know if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. We'll say that they get signals in different ways. And it sounds like to me, one of your signals is that you can feel like physical feelings related to the entity that's near you. 
Sometimes, not anymore. You and I have since learned lots of ways to protect ourselves. Boundaries. Boundaries in general. And yeah, not really a common day experience anymore. So wait, did that freak you out for a while afterwards? Like, how do you shake that off? Yikes. I think when I found out that there was a death on the property in the way that I felt, I felt better in a way. Like, it just validated the experience and I could let go of it. But Yeah, I think because Dawn's also not, she's not a cynic per se, but she is very logical. And for her to freak out and for me to freak out at the same time was a little much for me. And to literally feel like my neck was, my necklace was like choking me out was a lot. Um, But the validation really helped the whole experience. And then I went to sleep fine. (laughs) Not so spooky. Okay, well, that's creepy. Yeah, what's yours? Okay, mine, this is my favorite ghost story and I tell it a lot. So for friends who are listening, just fast forward three minutes. So we've had Raya on the podcast. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, Raya is a channel, a psychic, a medium. And she talked to us during that episode about how she picks up on different energies, some of those being spirits. And during the time that I lived in Maryland, this is about, I want to say, nine years ago. Um, The kids and I, after my divorce, moved into this really cute blue cottage style house in the Kentlands, which is where we lived for a long time. And this blue cottage house sat behind the main kind of attraction of the Kentlands, which is called the Kentlands Mansion. And this mansion really was a manor house for the Kent family in the 1800s. And so our house sat behind right next to a a barn that they had really cutely repurposed into the arts barn where people would go take art classes and stuff like that. But that was the original barn for the manor house in the 1800s. And our house was right next to it. And we had lived in that house, me and the two kids and our au pair, um, really happy, like good memories of the kids being really little and having a great time there. But my daughter, Raina, at this time was like six or seven years old, could never, ever sleep in her room by herself. And this girl is fierce. I mean, she's really fearless. So every night she started to come over to the bed, you know, come into my room and be like, mommy, I can't sleep and I'm scared. And I'd have to walk her back and rub her back and wait. She'd make me wait or the au pair, Michelle, would wait until Raina fell asleep and then leave the room. And this was happening night after night after night. And I happened to be doing a reading with Raya one day. And I mentioned this to her. And she's like, well, if you want, I can come look around and see, check, see what I sense in the house. So I'm like, great. So we fast forward to a weekend where the kids go to stay at my mom's house so that they're not home. And I'm home and Raya comes over and I'm definitely like freaked out because I'm like, what is Raya going to tell me she's sensing in the house? So Raya goes, walks around the house, goes upstairs. I sit in the living room like with a blanket and a cup of tea and like just, you know, trying to stay cozy and safe. She comes back downstairs and she's like, okay, very in her calm Raya tone is like, you know, so in Raina's room, there is the spirit of a little girl and she used to live in the barn next door. Her family lived in the barn. They were the like groundskeepers of the manor and she passed when she was really little and she's really excited that there's a little girl here to play with her. And so she hides in Raina's toys and Raina had this like wall of toys like stuffed animals and stuff. She hides in there. And at nighttime, she comes and stands at the foot of her bed and wants to play. She doesn't mean any harm. I am so creeped out right now. Little girl ghosts are like the creepiest. The creepiest. I don't know why. Why? What do you mean? 
mean? It's uh, terrifying. Uh, So she's like, she wants to play with her and Reyna can sense, you know, that's what's scaring her. So I went ahead, this is Rhea saying, I went ahead and I cleared her energy out by just really like sending her into the light and she's out of the room. I've cleared it out. But I just want to warn you, when Raina comes back home, she's going to feel like something's missing from her room. And she's most likely going to blame her little brother for taking something from her room, but she's not going to be able to tell you what it is because there's actually now energy missing from her room. So I'm like, okay, so Raya leaves. I'm home alone that night. I, as have told you by my cringy moments, can't sleep when I'm scared. So I FaceTime TJ, who at that time we were long distance, is in San Francisco. And he stays on FaceTime with me until I fall asleep because I'm so scared. Wake up the next day, go pick up the kids from my mom's, come home. Super like, you know, watching Raina's every move to be like, okay, this is the validation. And I swear to you, clearly, I did not say anything to my seven-year-old daughter about what had happened. I'm watching her and, you know, she goes in her room, doesn't say anything. You know, a couple date times in the afternoon, goes in her room, still doesn't say anything. I'm like, okay, that was all make-believe. It's not real. Of course, we all have this inner cynic who wants to believe it's not real. So I brush it aside. I'm like, okay, whatever. Here we go again. She's not going to be able to sleep tonight. Bedtime comes. We go to put Raina to bed. I read her story and I leave. And about 10 minutes later, she calls from her room. Mom, mom, all pissed off. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I go in her room. What's up? She's like, my toy is missing. And I'm like, what toy? She's like, I don't know. Keon always comes in here and he took it. And I know he took it. And I'm like, Raina, what's missing? And she's like, I don't know, mom. I know he took something. Let's go search his room. Now he's like four years old sleeping in his little bed. And we go, we're like looking around his room for this toy that's missing that she can't name what it is. Can't find it. She's super frustrated. She's like, I just know he did. And when I tell you, like the hair on the back of my neck is standing up at this point because I'm like, what in the hell is happening? Talk her down, Reina. I think it's just, you know, I'm sure there's nothing missing if you can't think of what it is. Put her to bed, you know, leave before she falls asleep. This girl sleeps in her bed that night and every single night after that. What? Never wakes me up again. What? Wait, can I ask a question again? Of course. Why do some of the spirits hang around and some of the spirits don't hang around? Like, how come everyone who's died in that area isn't hanging out in your house? That's such a good question. What I've learned from mediums I've spoken to is that there is a part of their energy that just remains stuck in the life that they had right when they died because they there's that part of their energy doesn't realize it's over. It's just like replaying it over and over. It's like a it's a it's like a hologram. It's just that aspect of their energy is just stuck in that hologram. I also feel like something you and I learned recently from one of your favorite podcasts. Like, and that's why we drink. And that's why we I drink. I love that podcast. Is that like energy can get stuck in places. So this idea of like ghosts isn't really the thing. It's like not necessarily like an entity standing there, but it's like the energy of that right. entity kind of like taking over and like not being cleared out. Yeah. But but people see physical representations like actual human ghosts with physical features. Explain that. (laughs) I'm not gonna. Riddle me this. Not all people can see either. I mean, I think that, I don't know. I don't know if it has to do with your gifts or your ability to perceive. And, you know, we only use 10% of our brains. So are there other parts of other people's (laughs) brains that are lit up? I don't know. But I do know that there was a ghost girl in our house and then there wasn't one. 
You believe it, right? Yeah, I mean, I what better validation is there than your own kid showing yeah, up and saying the exact same thing? That yeah, I agree. That's my story. All right. So Yuki. on with the show. We are going to now tell each other some. Oh, we're actually going to terrify Bean because she doesn't have a story. She's going to be our audience this week. Anais has a real life haunting story that she's going to share. And then I have a real life haunting story <gasps> that is pretty famous that I'm going to dissect for you all because I'm pretty sure, even though you've probably heard of this, you don't know all the details. All right. I need some stories. Hit me. Hit me. I'm ready to be spooked, Lydia. Okay. I have to be honest. I have two stories. And it's because what I wanted to do was bring you a story from my beautiful state of Vermont. And I knew exact the exact story I wanted to share. I went to the place this past weekend. I took photos, <gasps> video for you all. Yeah. Um, and then I came back yes. to like do more research on the story and it's going to take me like two seconds to tell you the whole thing. <laughs> I don't believe it. You've already shared so much insight. All right. Well, my first question for you is when you think of Vermont, what do you think of outside of me? Oh, I think of maple syrup. Ben and Jerry's. Okay. Neither of you said covered oh, bridges, but that's totally really good. fine. Mm-hmm. Covered bridges, classic Vermontness. So funny enough, Condé Nast put this on its top 32 most haunted places in America list. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I'm not sure it's supposed to be there. Oh, yeah. It deserves it. So I'm going to share about Emily's Bridge and more formally, Gold Brook Bridge. I just have to say something to you. The name freaked me out. Emily's Bridge gave me goosebumps. Okay. (gasps) Emily's Bridge. I don't like it already. Do you have a thing against Emily? I was going to say the same thing. No, my best friend in middle school was Emily. I'm just really scared of the fact. My daughter's best friend is Yeah, I don't like Emily's Bridge. I don't like it. Okay, so the story and the legend goes back to the 1940s. And there's a couple of different variations of who Emily was. But at the end of the day, we think she was a farmer's daughter in the early 1800s. So like 1849 is like the earliest reference of her being around. And in one aspect of the story, she was deserted by the man she loved on their wedding day. Oh, I thought she was like a little girl. This always happens in ghost stories where the damn what? woman gets deserted and then, well, I, won't, I don't want to ruin your story. And then she's so sad she kills yeah. herself and she, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <sighs> there's always like, like, don't do it for a man. There's girl. the gray lady, the lady in white. Like, there's a lady in white in every hotel ever. Yeah. So really? Go ahead. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I just don't think Emily would have hung herself from a bridge for a man. What? But. We'll get there. You just gave the spoiler alert. Spoiler. The second part of the story is that her family didn't approve of this relationship. So she ran off to elope with him and he didn't show up. Oh, jerk. But then there's like a more like from the 70s, like more recent version of the story, which was like she was at this college function. She was riding on a horse. She ran off because she was embarrassed by something and she got kicked off the horse and died (gasps) on the bridge slash brook. <gasps> so there's three different variations of this story, but either way, what they say happens is on like midnight, around midnight and like those dark course, full moon type nights. Of course. She haunts the bridge and she'll claw at your car and she'll scratch Ew. the backs of pedestrians, which 
Like, is a love language for me, so I'm not really sure the me fear too. of Same. that. But Okay, I want, listen, you, I want something invisible like to scratch your back, and then you tell me if that's a love language. It depends like on where it. they get. Like to the exactly. left. Hit Agreed. the spot, and I'm A little good. higher. God, I hope this happens <laughs> yeah. to you tonight. Well, okay, I've been me there too. twice now. Both times, I didn't feel anything. I didn't experience anything. But most stories say that Emily focuses on men and she just really doesn't like men. I get it, Emily. <laughs> Same's girl. Totally so kidding. that's Emily's story. Again, like at the end of the day, most like stories about her in the Vermont lore area, like basically says they think this is made up. <gasps> oh, so, no. What kind of ghost story is this? No exactly. It's made up. Honestly, baloney. Throw it get out off. the window. Get you out did not scare us. Seriously. Because now I have the real scary <gasps> story. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm good. Well, I'll stay with Emily's bridge. Yeah, whatever. You just mocked Emily, which right. who knows what that means next time you're Ooh. in Stowe, Vermont. Oh, no. You're going to get your back tickled. It's going to feel real good. <laughs> She's oh spraying again for those of you just listening. But feel free to watch us on YouTube, our new YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> okay, so my question for this story is have you ever done a haunted house haunted hayride haunted forest type experience absolutely not <gasps> you've never done one nope haven't you come with me up here where i live nope. the whole place is haunted nope <gasps> oh Won't yes do it. i do them constantly Continue. you do yeah the, where i live is so many farms so there's tons of haunted hayrides and things since I was little and houses everything there's an eastern state penitentiary not too far from me which is supposed to be spooky Okay, so Melissa, I'm talking to you then. Yeah. What is the biggest fear about doing something like that? A haunted house, haunted forest? Like, what is the actual real fear a human could have there? Like a human or me? You. Let's say you. I don't know. It's just spooky. It's dark. I don't know. It's not. It's like almost silly, but it's not. I Because I'm a little cynical when it comes to I'm a little skeptical. I don't want to say cynical. I'm skeptical when it comes to this. Okay. So the whole idea of it is spooky and everyone around you is so scared, which makes you so scared. And, you know. Okay. Well, Was I'm going to pretend right you said the right answer. Okay. <laughs> which is that there's going to be some psychopath in the forest, in the hayride, like not an actor that jumps oh. out and scares you and kills you. Stop oh, it. New fear unlocked. I don't have that fear. Who has? Is that a well, thing? Now you have it. Yes. You're just in a forest running through the forest. Why you're wouldn't not- a sociopath, psychopath more so? Just jump out and kill you. Because they have better things to do than hang out in the woods at haunted hayrides. They have like real psycho stuff to do. It's free murders. It's free murders no matter where you do it. Okay. Let's not debate the psychopath <laughs> thinking here. Free okay. murder is free murder. Well, that's my biggest fear in going okay. through those is, yes, <laughs> the whole thing is scary, so I will never do another one. But what if there's a socio- psychopath sitting in the woods waiting to kill me and wow, utilize you guys that time and that's why i want to introduce you to russ <gasps> mckamey oh no he did it and the mckamey manor oh no russ it actually is worse than that so okay it's not there hasn't been real murder yet that i know of but russ started out with this haunted house that he had in his home he had actors it was this whole thing you could tell this guy just loved all things spooky Eventually, that wasn't enough for him. So he needed another level. It got scarier. (gasps) He fired actors, hired really specific, like, horror-oriented and, like, excited people, made this, like, big experience house. That wasn't enough for him. 
So then. Only the, the taste of blood. Exactly. Russ <gasps> needed that. Yeah, I get which it. Which is why he created the McKamey Manor, which is a six to 10 hour immersive horror experience. Where is this? So it started in San Diego. Oh, no. It got kicked yeah, out of San Diego because people did not want it there. Good. And now it's in, uh, its home base is like Summertown, Tennessee, but there's a version in Nashville, in Huntsville, Alabama. <gasps> Bean, we just missed it. I'm just really happy it's out of my state of California. Get out. Okay. So he did all this marketing around, if you get through it, you get $20,000. Okay. No one's done it so far. And why? Because it's the scariest thing in the whole entire world. But also it's like, it's living a horror movie designed completely to your own fears. What? How, How do, do they, they know what your fears are? So there's a process to get into this place. <gasps> he has a supposed 20 plus thousand wait, person wait list. And what you do is you go onto his website and you fill out the form or you send him a message on one of his Instagram pages or social media pages and you tell him you're in. The requirements to even get to that point and to get to the front door is that you pass his little process of interviewing beforehand. So he's going to reach out to you. He's going to FaceTime you or do some sort of screening. You have to be 21 or 18 with a parent note. <laughs> you have to be able to get through this like boot camp sports physical thing and have oh, a I'm doctor's out. note. <laughs> That's where you lost is a, a, immediately <laughs> out at that point. <laughs> I kept going. I'm like, keep going, keep going. Oh, sports. I'm done. Yeah. I, it doesn't sound that hard, but I don't know. You have to have a background check. You have to have medical insurance. And you mm. have to like sign a 40-page waiver. What? Mm. What does the waiver say? The waiver basically says that you're signing your life away. It includes death, aneurysms, teeth removal, broken Excuse bones, me? injuries of all sorts. Teeth removal? I'd be fucking pissed if I went to some haunted house and they started removing my teeth. <laughs> and you came right? out without your front tooth. And I like did sports to get in. <laughs> I came out with no teeth. I'd be so mad. Okay, well, the good news is I, there's been all the reports on any teeth removal. He says, Russ says himself, that they have pulled their own teeth. So he tells you you have to pull your teeth. We don't trust do Russ. Yeah, no, thank Liar. you, Dr. Russ. Well, that's what I'm going to ask you at the end of this story is your thoughts on okay. Russ. So keep all this in okay. mind. So last night I was finishing my story with Emily and then I put on the TV and there was this documentary on Hulu about them. And in this documentary, they're telling the story of these three folks who went through it and now are like super traumatically like traumatized, harmed from the whole thing. Yeah. Physically harmed, mentally harmed, like emotionally harmed. It's all over the board. And these three people, it's like their names are Gabby, Brandon, and Melissa, I think. Oh, Melissa. Yeah, Melissa. They all sort of state the reason they want to even go through this process, sign the 40-page waiver, is that they have like this itch inside them that needs to be scratched with adrenaline and like feeling like they can face the scariest thing. All three of them have experienced really traumatic things in their lives. One of them kind of grew up in an abusive home and went into the foster care. Another one um, grew up in a really religious household and was queer or is queer and like had obviously a really traumatic experience with that. The last one did three tours in Iraq and came home and just feels like he deserves to be punished is what he says. So they brought on this like 
professor and this doctor to talk about like why people go through these experiences. And they're like, you know, some people just need that adrenaline rush. It obviously comes with traumatic experiences, but they said that it's almost like rock climbing without your like tethers and stuff or like doing those ultra marathons or people that do deep dive swimming and like go swim with sharks without cages and stuff. Like they just, it's like a similar experience just in this horror aspect. I'm into it. And you didn't say trigger warning before you said sharks. Sorry. Trigger warning. (laughs) For you, for Bean. Trigger warning for Maury. So keep in mind all these people are vulnerable. They're vulnerable folks who are going into these experiences by choice and by desire. And basically, Russ gets to know your fears. He asks you what you're scared of. He Mm. then (laughs) has you come and meet him at a like local park and you're sitting there waiting for him when he shows up you get the 40 page waiver once you sign it he takes you to the boot camp I, I don't know where the boot camp happens there's lots of thoughts on boot camps it either happens before that or right at the waiver point I'm sure the waiver happens anyways you sign it go to boot camp make sure that you can pass the test and then he takes you to this house and you're blindfolded and you start the experience some of the things that people have experienced. <laughs> Are you looking around your room right now? I am literally like You're looking like, at the door. Here. I'm looking behind me. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. You're blindfolded. This is what some of the people said about their time in there. And this is kind of where I'm like, well, how can anyone win the 20K when it is so unique to each of you? Like there's no like common denominator here right. in getting the stuff done. So someone said that they duct taped their head. He duct taped their head completely. To like a wall their or eyes? just duct taped him all the way around. Okay. Like you can't breathe. It's like a torture chamber. This whole thing is torture. This is torture. So you sign up to be tortured. Yes. Wait, is there going to be a ghost in this story? No, this is just Anais misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> I thought we were talking about go- like yeah. real a haunting, haunting requires stories. ghosts, but that's okay. She told us about Emily's bridge. Oh my <laughs> guys, god! It sort of doesn't the same. always you guys, require a ghost. What are you looking at? Something being now because you're scaring our me. What amazing, are you amazing landscaper just walked by Tony, and I was not expecting anyone in the backyard. Oh my and gosh! I saw his boots, and I was like, "That's it. The torture guy is here that's to get it. me." Here's Emily. Okay, finish your story, please. He probably looked in and was like, wow, Maury looks so beautiful. Maury, what is she doing? Right. I love that headscarf vibe she's got going on. She's like in Capri. Yeah, what a fun Friday. Okay, he traps them and locks them in those like extra freezers that people have. They're like those square ones. Yeah. He put them in this cage and it locks at the top and the whole thing fills with water and the water just keeps building, building, building. He put on straight jacket, put them in straight jackets with heavy chains around their necks. So they're just like being held down and like completely strapped in. He water waterboards them, buries them alive in mud, drills, takes a drill and just like turns it on in their mouth. So like heaven forbid they move it. They, I mean, he makes them eat gross stuff, which is like the worst, least of our concerns, but people leave with like cuts, bruises, sprains, and the most serious injury that someone left with was a heart attack. What? Well, that makes sense. I I totally get that. I mean, that's scary as AF. Like, of course you're going to have a heart attack. Right? Well, what do they do when the cage is filling up with water? Like, that is one of my things is drowning. It's one of my bugaboos. Uh, If it's filling up with water, you know it has to stop. He's not going to drown you. You don't know he's not going to drown you because this guy 
is a sociopath who wants to test the limits. So you're going to get to the point of drowning. Yeah, but he's not going to murder you. Okay, hold on a minute. So people clearly call uncle on this at some point and they're like, get me the hell out, right? So is is he crazy enough to keep it going? Or once they say they're done, he'll let them out? Both. You have to say you're done in a very specific way. If you just say I quit, he says there's no quitters. And like, (gasps) you know, you're panicked and you're like, stop, stop, stop. He won't stop. There's no safe word. So how do you get out of there? Cacao? (laughs) There's a great Portlandia episode where they do the skit where their safe word is cacao. It's Fred Armisen. (laughs) Cacao, cacao. It's so good. Yeah, no safe word. And (gasps) basically he decides when you're done. Like- he and he, he no. does like look for the signs <laughs> of you being done, but his role, quote unquote, is to like push you to your limits and you are probably going to give in before your actual limits. So he's going to tell you when you're done. And he records everything. So you can watch everyone's sessions on YouTube. What? Ooh. Did you watch one? I watched a Look bunch. I do not recommend watching them. They are not. Oh, I'm watching them. I, I just wouldn't. Like, it's so bad. He doesn't have all of them up there for sure, but, like, there's a good assortment, and they're definitely edited, so you don't see it all. And what you do see is pretty bad. But, like, they at the end of this whole process, he makes you do an exit interview, and all of these people look like their worst day has ever like the worst day of their lives is that it is the worst day of their lives yeah and they all have like black eyes cuts all over them abrasions like they look completely knocked up they knew what they were getting into though and a lot of them say they want to come back what they want they want to come back no because they already signed up knowing it so they're obviously interested in the thrill of it all i'm out i'm out this was not a story of a haunting this was a story of a psychopath yeah, what's scarier than that? It's not It's not a ghost Hauntings. story. <laughs> Hauntings are scarier. Okay, well, just to like ease things up, Russ doesn't take money for this whole experience. He only takes dog food and stuff. And on top of that, now works at Walmart. So what? I also kind of love, though, that he's supporting animal rescue. Are we kidding me right now? We're now, Russ is a hero? Absolutely not. I refuse for that to be the ending of this story. Are you saying that these haunted houses or whatever the hell houses of torture have been shut down and now he works at Walmart? They haven't been shut down. He doesn't make money there. So he has to work at Walmart. So this is legal because they signed the 40 page waiver. What he's doing to people is legal. This is legal. But a lawyer did say that there's a lot of gaps in there in terms of where you could sue for damages. Honestly, I think he has haunted your nightmares now. So he's, his job here is done. With and you. my job is done as well. Thank you. And your job. Bravo. And welcome to the podcast. What? Thank you so In much. Hail. You know what's scary about this? I thought you were going to tell me a haunting story and you told me a story of a psychopath instead. So I was not psychologically ready, which is what is so scary about this. And you know what? You're I don't appreciate it. You're never allowed back. All right. Well, here we go into my story. Now tell me if you guys know what this is when I say this. Okay. Of the Stanley Hotel. Yes. What is it? Is that the, what's it called one from that movie? The Shining. The Shining, yeah. The Stanley Hotel inspired the book by Stephen King, The Shining, that was then turned into the movie The Shining that starred Jack Nicholson and really a lot of people say is what boosted his career. Anyway, this is not about that. This is about the actual hauntings that have taken place in the Stanley Hotel, which is in Estes Valley in Colorado. 
and it was home to the Ute and Arapaho tribes prior to the 1900s when settlers showed up to build um, whatever they wanted to build. In the early 1900s, the story begins of the Stanley Hotel with its founder, Freeland Oscar Stanley, who is ill with tuberculosis and has been told that the best and only hope for him is to find the the clean air of the mountains and try and hope that that air rehabilitates him. So Stanley and his wife go to Estes Valley for the healing. And um, there's lots of accounts for what happened and how it all happened. But long story short, he basically miraculously heals from tuberculosis and decides that this is a very healing place. And so what he's going to do is build a hotel that is magnificent enough that people want to leave the cosmopolitan East Coast for vacations and come to this mountain town for vacation. So he buys a hunting lodge in the early 1900s and he renovates it and he builds the Stanley Hotel alongside his wife, Flora. His vision was to make this super opulent and to make it really glamorous right in the heart of this rustic town in Colorado. The hotel opens in 1909 and guests come from all over the country and they marvel at the palatial structure. It's surrounded by wilderness, but it has all of the modern luxuries of electricity and plumbing and telephones and staff that wait on you. So it really is a big experience for people in the early 1900s to be able to have this in the mountains. So this goes on this way for decades. The hotel is really this glamorous destination. But after decades, it starts to sort of fall into disrepair as there is not enough money to invest in it over time. And the founder passes away. By the 1970s, the hotel is in total disrepair. It's not making a lot of money and it isn't as popular of a destination. But wait, why did they market it as like magical air? Well, it's just that the mountain town has this fresh air that has healed him. Yeah. So market that. This is a, a magical hotel. Come visit. But they did that from 1909 to 1970. You know how marketing gets old after a while. So- In the 70s, this thing is in disrepair and it could have been demolished had it not been for the bizarre story of a now very famous author. So in 1970, Stephen King happens to be in Boulder, Colorado, working on another book, The Stand. And they want to, he and his wife, get a weekend away to rejuvenate. So they go from Boulder, Colorado to Estes Park and they check into the Stanley Hotel. And he actually says on The View, he's interviewed about this, and he says, it was their last day of the season. And as we were walking in, everyone was walking out. Everyone's checking out. We say, we'll check in. They check in. They go to dinner. They go to drinks. And they check into room 217. In room 217, which is a famous room in the Stanley Hotel now, Stephen King basically says that he has this dream. It's a lucid dream. So it feels like, you know, that we can't tell if you're awake or asleep. He has this dream of his three-year-old son running through the corridors of the hotel, looking over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming as he's being chased by a fire hose. He wakes up out of this dream with this like, you know, terrifying jerk. He gets out of bed, he lights a cigarette, and he outlines the entire book, The Shining, from that dream. No way. Yes. A fire hose? A fire hose. God, some people are so brilliant. Brilliant. You guys are scared of a fire hose? Hold on a minute. Just relax. So no, I'm scared of The Shining. 
Yes. So if you've seen The Shining, it's a terrible movie and book. It's terrifying. That a lot of the scenes take place in this really terrifying hotel where the corridors just go on and on and on. And there's those twin girl ghosts and twin little girls. Little girls. And Call it's back, terrifying. Yeah. So he tells this story or he writes The Shining. The Shining becomes a film in the 80s and it has a lot of terrifying elements to it. But here's the actual story of Room 217. So in 1911, now we're rewinding back to the heyday. There was a huge storm that happened and in Estes Park. And the head housekeeper of the hotel, Mrs. Wilson, was Dorbs. lighting lanterns. And she's lighting a lantern in room 217 when there's an explosion. The <gasps> explosion blasted through the floor and the dining room. She survived, broke her ankles, and, but lived and worked at that hotel for another couple of decades. Wait, what year is this? I'm sorry. Call back. What, 1911. What Ugh, the best year. Yeah. That's the best year. <laughs> so when came out. she passes, though, now remember, what's her trauma in her life? A fire. Broken ankle. And firefighters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Two. I was thinking, like, how much that must hurt to break both your ankles. Ouch. A fire and firefighters. <laughs> Got it. And what Got it. firefighters have a fire hose. Fire hoses. So she lives out her days. She continues to take <laughs> care of the Stanley Hotel. She passes away. But after she passes, people who stay in room 217 start to <gasps> tell all of these stories of these paranormal experiences they're having. Like some guests report having items removed out of their room. Their luggage, they'll go out for a day, they'll come back, their luggage is completely packed. The lights turning on and off. There was a unmarried couple that was sleeping in the same bed. And they say that they could feel a force in between them trying to push them apart in the room. Ooh, why does she why is she all up in their business? She like, was they she say she isn't a fan yet? of unmarried guests because she's very conservative. So she didn't like it. Oh. And they often say that they will um, wake up these unmarried guests and have their luggage packed and waiting by the door. And they have not packed That's their so luggage. kind of her, though. I would honestly I hate packing. I'd be like, thanks. Thanks, Mrs. Wilson. So love it. Actually, in room 217 is also where another famous person stayed. When Jim Carrey was filming Dumb and Dumber, he stayed at the Stanley oh, Hotel in room 217. Of course he did. And intentionally? Intentionally. And according I to him, he got yeah. so spooked from what was going on while he was <gasps> trying to sleep that he ran from the room half naked in the middle of the night. And the film crew is there to also say that this genuinely happened. I want to go. Right? It's terrifying. Okay. So that's just one room. Fun. That's just room 217. The entire hotel is said to be haunted in different areas. Another area of the hotel that people often report seeing things in is called the vortex. This is the staircase. It's really stunning. And it's this, um, I'm actually going to send you guys a picture. I'm going to put it in the chat. Go ahead, take a look. So the vortex is this staircase. And that is where they say it's it's a tornado of spiritual energy. So they are calling it a paranormal portal for all ghosts mm. that come in and out of the hotel. Now, the link I just sent you are images that, that people who have actually gone to the hotel have captured. What do you see in that first picture at the top of the staircase? Is it a nun? Looks like a guy with a gas mask. Does it look on. like a real life person? Yeah, like a nun. Yeah. So there was nobody on the staircase when that person took that picture. And that was in 2022. 
But when he looked at the image, there's an image Haunting. of a person standing at the top of the staircase, which you're now looking at. If you scroll down, there's also pictures taken by other people. There's one of a picture taken of a window. Do you see that picture? Uh-huh. With a girl standing in front of it? But the person who took the picture said there was nothing before they took the picture. So there are a lot of different sightings of paranormal activity, and they believe the vortex is that staircase. Another haunted part of the hotel is the concert hall. This was built by F.O. Stanley, the original founder, and his wife, Flora. The stage has a trap door, which is used for theatrical entrances and exits. And so mm. basically, the thing about the concert hall that's interesting is the concert hall had a keeper of the hall called Paul who in the early 1900s kind of made sure that the concert hall was in good standing. But there used to be an 11 p.m. curfew in the early days around what was happening in the concert hall. People now claim that once it is 11 o'clock, if they're anywhere near the concert hall, they will, they will hear a loud shout, get out after 11 p.m. if they're in the concert hall. Now, if 217 wasn't bad enough, there is also another floor. The fourth floor is said to be the most haunted floor of the hotel with hundreds of guests giving various testimonials of what's happened when they've stayed there. They say they hear children running and giggling and playing in the hallways. But when they're checking out, there's no one with children that will have stayed in the hotel that night. But they hear a lot of giggling and running in the fourth floor. The closet doors open and shut on their own. They also say that um, the reason that you're hearing children is that in the 1900s, when this was a hotel, it was just an attic, actually. And children of the female employees would stay there with the nannies while the female employees were working. So that's the reason why you hear so many children. Room 428 is the most haunted room in the hotel. People say they hear sounds of footsteps and furniture moving above them except that there's no floor above the fourth floor. The fourth floor is the highest floor. Spooky. There is also various stories of couples staying in the room that say that they wake up to, in the middle of the night to see a cowboy standing over their bed. And multiple people have said that a cowboy appears over their bed <laughs> or near their bed. And they have said that repeatedly. <laughs> Other things that I'll just tell you quickly about the hotel, there were underground caves beneath the hotel. This was so that staff could move around, particularly cooks and pastry chefs that were able to move things from like refrigeration to the kitchen. And so you can actually take a tour of the caves, but the caves are also said to be areas where you can see a lot of apparitions, particularly one of a pastry chef who's running back and forth down these hallways or in these caves. People also mm -hmm. see a gray cat stalking about with bright green glowing eyes and that it leads to a pet cemetery. There's actually a pet cemetery on the grounds where they see um, apparitions of pets. Why do you think this hotel in particular keeps all of its spirits in there? Like why do certain areas have more spirits question. and some areas have none? That's a good question. Well, some of the things that I read about are about this vortex, believing that this like sits in an energy vortex naturally where uh, the spirit world can mm -hmm. come in and out. And so the hotel itself sits on a ground that is a vortex. We talked about that, I think, last week when I was talking about like an energy yeah, vortex in Arizona. Sedona. So that's one mm -hmm. theory. There's also just theories of the various going ons in this hotel have kept these spirits attached to the hotel, like the children running back and forth, the pastry chef. Um, people will also see F.O. Stanley's wife, Flora, standing in windows, looking out at the grounds, which may be the picture that I just sent you guys. But that is the story 
of the Stanley Hotel. Spooky. But wait, can I ask a question? Because did Stephen King wake up, write this book, and not experience any of those things? Because a lot of those things happened. He didn't experience any of those things. His only experience is the dream of the fire hose. He did not know about... 1911 mrs wilson and the and the fire and the fire hose when she when he had the dream though so what are the chances people are just remembering the movie or like trying to experience it? agreed there's so many things the a lot of these stories are from before the when the movie came out let's all go field trip i'm good no hecking way with emily well well guys all right i'm gonna say I was only half spooked today. I'm not going to lie. I found last week's to be very spooky. Your story last week. I'm only was half spooked this week. Yeah. But are you most spooked by Russ? No, last week was, last week was unsolved mysteries. I'm sorry. He sounds a little weird. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to hang out. Yeah. That was a story of a psychopath. ghost, everyone. But this was a ghost. We were talking ghosts. I was going to dress up like a ghost, but my sheet didn't arrive in time. Okay, but you didn't even tell a story, so. <laughs> you couldn't just cut two holes out of a sheet? I didn't. I only have it. nice sheets. I was like, I'm not wasting oh, these nice so, sheets. Yeah, so I only have fancy, fancy sheets. <laughs> fancy, fancy. Yeah. Well, guys, I had a really good time spooky seasoning it up with you. Spooky I season. just feel like I'm going to miss this, and we're going to have to find a way to bring some of these tales into the rest of the podcast. Anais. Thank you for joining us today with your crazy, crazy stories. And we wish everyone a happy Halloween. You guys go have a safe, happy, fun Halloween. Get into it. Get after it. Love you both. Love you. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Grushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Thekadet, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then.